If you're getting this message, it means we were successful once again in getting past the jammers and are now broadcasting on pirate radio from the free state of Texas. Stand by for more critical information to follow. Many Bothans died getting this message. And we're back. We're back venting our frustrations about internet speeds. And things like that. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking for almost an hour about that now. <laughs> It's it's frustrating. So you're having issues with the internet. Fixed them. You're paying for a gigabyte of download speeds, and you're getting thirty megabytes of the computer. <laughs> that that is that makes my blood boil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, that, it's not great. That needs to get that needs to get fixed. Oh man, I'm angry now. <laughs> so we just decided to dive into our topic because it's just unproductive. Oh, anyways, so where did where did we leave off last time? I'm trying to remember. Um, I don't fully remember. Uh, we're kind of just like going through like a rundown of uh, our various. CIA operations slash experiments. Yeah. Oh, I guess we we kind of got off track on that. I was thinking about that with the um, like the Milgram experiments and the Stanford Prison because that wasn't necessarily CIA, but um, I guess it it kind of tied in with just illustrating the point that um, you know how human psychology can be warped if you just put it into the you know if you put somebody in the correct situation they're willing to just kind of go along with a lot of this stuff um and just how easily malleable people really are um susceptible to groupthink and um group pressure and stuff like that with the electrocutions and just somebody in a white lab coat just telling somebody to murder another person essentially and they'll do it so it's just that seeding um to authority or submitting to an authority figure but um we need to we're gonna dig deep into the the cia operations um, on this one sorry i'm rambling <laughs> no it's good um I can't remember if I said it last time or not, but um, I don't know. It's interesting to me because we kind of saw that same um, experiment being conducted like during like COVID mm-hmm. where they um, basically ruled through fear or got people afraid and then got them to, you know, snitch on their neighbors or wear masks when like i don't know it did not make logical sense to wear a mask you know and you still see it at least i do you know driving on the highway and there'll be somebody by themselves only person in the car and they're wearing a mask yeah because they're just that afraid and if you just stop and think like logically you know virus aside logically that just does not make sense 
No. Right? Like, they, they, there's just no way. If you are the only person, like, what? there's nothing else to breathe other than, like, the Freon from your air conditioning or whatever. Yeah. You know? It's like, what? That, that doesn't make sense. But they, I mean, to me, that's the same experiment. It, right? it became like a team jersey, you know? It was yeah. It was, a, it was symbol more than anything because the masks really don't. I mean, they they help marginally. They do help, but uh, in the grand scheme of things, it really does absolutely nothing. And studies are coming out now about how you can actually you can get like Legionnaires' disease or just other crazy things because of all if you're using a, a cloth mask and reusing it. Um, not washing it on a regular basis. It just collects a bunch of funk in there and you're breathing that in directly. Um, if you wanted to have the best effect, you'd have a, like a M95 surgical mask and you would change that thing out on a, as regularly as possible, you know, once an hour or something like that. But it's really just going to make a marginal difference. Just the tiniest difference um it's it's it became a symbol more than anything that you were a good person doing your part i think and people still haven't gotten over that yet it's not like it's a comfortable thing to wear i mean why else are you wearing it in your car it's to uh, signal to other people it's kind of the ukraine flag in your bio (laughs) before that that is that's not going to age well <laughs> that no. really isn't they're literal nazis <laughs> i know <laughs> oh that made me laugh when that yeah. stuff started coming out i mean if you were just paying attention you would have known about that from day one i mean they were not trying to really hide it at the beginning but which I guess kind of brings us into kind of our topic, though, because, I mean, we've never, America as a government, as an entity, has never actually hated Nazis. Right. <laughs> Which is kind of wild. They, no. They've demonized them, but then worked with them and helped them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's... I don't know if it's that they necessarily agreed with the tactics, but they definitely people in the government definitely admired what the, the Nazis were able to do as far as technology um, and controlling their populace. Right. (laughs) I mean, there, man, there was all sorts of carrots and sticks over there about um, like, uh, encouraging giving women awards for having more than three children or something like that. I don't know the exact number, but I mean, they had a little socialist utopia going on for quite some time over there. I think more than anything, that's what the government really appreciated about that, that time period. Just yeah, the could control be. and the propaganda. You can't forget the propaganda. Oh yeah. Good that's, old. Yeah, they're masters at that. Um, controlling the media. I mean, the party had one hundred percent control over the media, which 
I don't think is very far off from what uh, what has been happening in the United States for no. decades. I mean, you had the you know the three big networks or whatever. It's what people say. I don't have any memory of that, but you don't think that they might have been controlled in some way. I, mean, I feel like, especially at that point, they had to be right. Absolutely, I and you know we're talking about the '60s or the '70s, '80s. I, you know, people would say, "Oh, you just turn on the news, and Walter Cronkite would be on, and you would just take whatever he said as gospel," because you know we all we had a common picture of what was going on in the world. You don't think that somebody with that reputation or networks with that reputation that they were just lying to you then. Why do you think that they were telling the truth? That's, that's what really gets me. It's like, Oh, well it was so much better. You know, all this political polarization wasn't a thing back in the day because we all listen, read the same newspapers and we all watched evening news and they told us the same thing. Well, that was a lie. I can almost guarantee you whatever information you were getting from those three networks was a lie um, catered and set up by the government to make you believe, you know, their narrative on the truth, which I think there was something called Operation Mockingbird. Yes, there was. (laughs) Um, I don't have that one pulled up. I got other things, but that was... What what is the background on Operation Mockingbird? Do you know? Um, so it was I actually just pulled it up so I can fact check myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> first, hold on. First line in Wikipedia: Operation Mockingbird is an alleged large-scale program of the United States Central Intelligence Agency that began in the early years of the Cold War and attempted to manipulate domestic American news media organizations for propaganda purposes. Well, there's, that just doesn't, it's alleged by who? And if, Uh, if you have this allegation that it was this major operation that must be coming from somewhere. It's, it's, it's garbage. Yeah. Like it's a real thing. So this alleged is (laughs) as bogus, dude. It's a real thing. I don't know. Yeah. Wiretapping journalists who published articles on classified materials. Yeah, but so I guess uh, for, I don't know, people that may be listening, it's a uh, long story short. Um, it is basically an operation where they would uh, plant or control people within the media, whether it's like the newscasters on TV, uh, print media, everything that they had at that time to put forth their agenda, whether it be like war propaganda at the time or, um, you know, I don't know, whatever it is. Hey, the economy is doing great, even though, you know, we're at record high inflation. Right. <laughs> so different things like that. Um, 
they did have like the church committee, which is where like a lot of this stuff came out. Uh, like the operations we'll probably be talking about. Um, a lot of them came out in the, the church committee hearings. So that's when they found out that they were doing all this stuff. Um, that still bugs me. That said alleged at the very mm-hmm. beginning. Like that's propaganda right there. That is 100% propaganda. Who's writing this? Yeah. <laughs> the no, CIA that's... is writing this. That's what it is. It has to be. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and uh, it's tough because there's, there's not really a way to directly track, you know, like a today, a broadcaster and be like, yep, that's a CIA agent. I think it's more uh, subtle than that. Um, isn't there a guy on, did not see it. What the heck is his name? Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper. Yes. Isn't he tied somehow? His family, CIA, something like that. Uh, I think when he was in college, let me look him up real quick. Not that Wikipedia will tell me anything. <laughs> see, where do you go to college at? Yale. So Yale is one of the biggest, um, like fed, uh, what do you call it? Recruitment centers, if you will. Um, let me see. I'm trying to find, oh, so here's on Wikipedia. Even during college, Cooper spent two summers as an intern at the CIA. Oh, okay. So you could just say like, oh, he was an intern, but like he's going to Yale, he's in media, and he's an intern at the CIA. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's was that three strikes and you're out right there? Yeah. Nothing to see here. And it's not like it would say on his resume, you know, employed by the CIA. It's like how if you're working for the CIA, it's generally uh something that's not really advertised. <laughs> Right. You know, I mean, even the fact that his internship is mentioned. Yeah. It's like a red herring. Yeah, it was just an internship. He never, yeah, never, never got hired. Like, sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah. The one I'm really suspicious about is Tucker Carlson. I've heard some clips, things that he said, you know, he talking about rubbing shoulders with people who are in the CIA. And he said, I mean, it was a slip up, I'm guessing. I don't remember the exact quote, but he said something about the years of working there, you know, at the the CIA. But, you know, it's a little, little conspiratorial, I guess. But I don't know. Is it if we have things like Operation Mockingbird that are public knowledge? Um, where it seems like the CIA was very interested in influencing the media in any way they could, you know. So you think, or so I guess you're saying that uh, Tucker is uh, like controlled opposition, basically? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And I, I think, I think he may have gone against, you know, that's part of the reason he was fired from Fox News is, 
He wasn't following the uh, company message as much anymore. I think the real reason was he was doing some expose on January 6th. Yeah. And talking, he was going to talk about how there were a bunch of feds in there, but um, uh, the president, the owner, Fox News, really did not want that. So, yeah, he got he got fired for that, I believe. Um, but, I don't know, Fox News is doing something crazy, too. They, it seems like both sides, like the Republican uh, cable and the Democrat cable, I mean, let's just call it what it is, they're kind of... Uh, they're doing some sort of shakeup or change in their operations where they're trying to not be as extreme as they have been in the past. Yeah. Which is an interesting move. I'm not sure what they're trying to accomplish at this point because nobody watches it anyways. Um, their audiences are absolutely, I mean, there are podcasts a lot of podcasts that have a bigger audience than the uh, the cable shows now. Um, it's I think it's it's done. It's just a matter of time until uh, the older people who own those operations realize it. Yeah, because it's just been a goldmine for forever. Is owning a cable news company, but. Nobody watches it. I mean, the only people who watch it are old, old people. <laughs> <laughs> and people at the airport. <laughs> I pulled up some stuff on Tucker Carlson that could be interesting, maybe. All right, let's hear it. Um, so he went to Trinity College, which is in Connecticut. Um, he was a Democrat from 2006 to 2020 and then Republican starting in 2020. Mm. Let's see. His his dad has a Wikipedia. His dad was born Richard Boynton. But changed his name. Um, let's see. He was an American journalist, diplomat, and lobbyist who was di- director of the Voice of America during the last six years of the Cold War. At the same time, he led Radio Marty broadcasting to Cuba as director of the U.S. Information Agency. So his dad was basically uh, propaganda in the Cold War. Mm. He was part of that Operation Mockingbird, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, if during the Cold War, if they're broadcasting to Cuba, which was or is a communist nation, I mean, they yeah, that's going to be propaganda. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see here. He was an ambassador to, I don't even know how to say that. What is that? (laughs) 
Cyclus. I've never heard of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Somewhere, it's, look. Oh, looks like it's in Africa. Uh, she was an ambassador under George Bush Senior. I want to see why they changed their name. Yeah, that is a strange, a strange thing to do. Boynton, you said? Yeah. Boynton to Carlson. Hmm. They weren't like Im- he wasn't an immigrant or anything. He no, was living in the United States. At least the dad wasn't. The dad was uh, born in Boston. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's a very strange move. It looks like it's a British surname. They tied to royalty somehow? Maybe. Could be. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't oh, know he was adopted, it looks like. The dad or Car- or Tucker? Uh, Tucker's dad. Okay. So he might have changed his name back to his original family name. So he... So, so that's why he changed it. Uh, it's to, it's his adoptive family, basically. Okay. So Richard Boynton is his dad. Um, was adopted by the Carlsons and changed his name to that. Okay. That uh, when he was twenty-two, he started working for the L.A. Times. Um. See here. Try to start working as a freelance uh, television journalist. Got into investigative journalism. Was a banker in the 70s. He joined the San Diego Federal Savings and Loan, uh, headed by Gordon Luce, a former cabinet member of Ronald Reagan. Within three years, he was vice president of finance. That's pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, Let's see here. Great American first savings minor controversy due to the bank's political connections. For example, in 84, the bank received negative press for allowing Edwin Meese, advisor to Ronald Reagan, to be 50 months delinquent on his mortgage. Okay, that's, I don't know. Edwin Meese. That name. I swear, that guy is, um, I think Mark Levin worked for that guy. Maybe I'm crazy. You could be. Did did Mark Levin work uh, in the Reagan administration? Yes. Yep. All right. Yeah, that's then probably why. Uh, interesting. Delinquent <laughs> on his mortgage by 50 months, you said? Yeah. 
Carlson, <laughs> I gotta read this. Carlson hired a camera crew to videotape an interview with 60 Minutes uh, and Mike Wallace. Um, when the 60 Minutes cameras were not rolling during a commercial break, uh, the crew that he hired caught him. Oh, caught Mike Wallace uh, making. I thought it was Tucker's dad, but no, they caught Mike Wallace making the joke of. I guess they were talking about um, the contracts for, you know, that they were talking uh, for this, like, housing stuff. Um, about, like, if they were hard to read or not. And Mike Wallace apparently said, uh, you bet they're hard to read if you're reading them over watermelon or tacos. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. I don't know who that guy is, but he was, I think, I can't, I don't know if he's still alive or not, but, uh, yeah, he was like a big, uh, I don't know, news guy. He was on, just, yeah, that show 60 minutes. Can't remember if he just did any of like regular broadcasting, like ABC or CBS or anything like that. But I guess casual racism was just the thing you did back then. Yeah. Jeez. He ran so, for mayor in 84. Tucker did? No, his dad. His dad. Okay. He <laughs> was reading about Tucker's dad. Um, well, I, was, a, I don't know. I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, his dad's in media, which doesn't really mean anything. But um, the fact that he, yeah, was broadcasting propaganda back then. Mm. Yeah, well, that's part of this Operation Mockingbird. This is something right here. I got a little snippet for you. All right. It's uh, do, 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 do. the church committee was looking into the CIA's uh, coziness with the media. Um. The committee report 1976 confirmed earlier stories that charged the CIA had cultivated relationships with private institutions, including the press. Without identifying individuals by name, the church committee stated that it found 50 journalists who had official but secret relationships with the CIA. In 1977, Rolling Stone magazine uh, article, The CIA and the Media, uh, Carl Bernstein um, expanded upon the church committee's report and wrote that more than 400 press members had secretly carried out assignments for the CIA, including the New York Times publisher, Arthur Schultzberger, uh, whatever, a bunch of different people. But 400, I mean, think about that. How many people are in the media, especially back then? Right. I mean, probably I shouldn't say especially back then because there were probably a lot more people in the media back then because um, it was a it was the mainstream. But 400 press members. Do you think that's changed? <laughs> hmm. It just, just seems to me, you know, uh, even though nobody's watching it, it's just it's. They have an agenda. They obviously have an agenda. Yeah. 
And they're you don't know how you can watch sides. it and not realize that. Yeah, I, I know. It's it plays when I'm at other people's houses. They'll have it playing in the background, and I just it's perfectly catered to outrage. It's just absolutely designed to keep you watching. Just the littlest things, they'll just blow up these stupid little stories and they always have an angle. It's always the same angle. If you're watching Fox news, it's just, this is the Democrats coming for you. They're going to get you. And it's the exact same thing on the other side. It's just, uh, I don't even want to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Makes me angry. But yeah, so that's Mockingbird. They, this is well documented that in the 70s, for sure, before then as well, the CIA was directly influencing the media. That hasn't changed, I don't think. The only thing that might, you know, if, if you're getting your news from podcasters, um, independent people, that's going to make it a little more difficult for that government propaganda to seep in there. But you could probably rest assured that they're working on that right now. So more than likely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, If you're listening, CIA will, we'll take the money. (laughs) 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 Tell us what to say. (laughs) While we're on the topic of, of mockingbirds, um, I just happened to pull up Buck Sexton. Oh. Because this is another one that I find incredibly suspect. The spook? Yeah. I mean, just on the nose, yes, he's a former uh, CIA analyst. Um, however, when you look into him, um, so I guess kind of going back to the Anderson Cooper thing. So Anderson Cooper also we didn't talk about is a Vanderbilt, which if you don't know, about the Vanderbilts, I mean, they're one of like the richest families in American history. Mm. Um, like they're competing with God, as it were. In yeah, the- they're in with like the Duponts, the Rockefellers, all that. Okay. Um. So that I mean, so that's Anderson Cooper. So Buck Sexton, um, he went to. He was born in Manhattan, which is already gonna be fairly affluent. He went to uh, St. David's school. So I pulled that up and that is a private school for boys um, on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. So that's already like, you know, that's like the creme de la creme of like Manhattan society, right? Yep. That's so where they got him. Yeah. And then from there, he went to Regis High School, which is another private all-male school. Uh, It's a Jesuit school. Hmm. Um, And then from there, I think he's just born for it. Yeah. And then from there, he went to Amherst. And then after Amherst, um, joined the CIA. Hmm. Really? Yeah. All right, then. So, I mean, none of that's, like, hard evidence other than actually being in the CIA, but 
I think if you want controlled opposition, like that's, I mean, he's got, he checks all the boxes for it. Yeah. It, so at this point, I just want to stop. If anybody's listening to this and thinks we're just insane, it's not, we're not trying to weave together a conspiracy here. What we're trying to do is show you that this is what the CIA has said they want to do. It's what they've tried to do. And it's what they've actually done. This isn't a stretch. This is exactly what they what they do. This is their MO. They control media. They control the message. They put propaganda out there. And all we're doing is just showing that these people actually have ties to the CIA. The stretch is, well, they're not actually taking talking points from the government and you know, spewing out these talking points. That's the part that we have to leave up to your imagination, but it's not difficult to put those pieces together. No. And this is what they do. I think if, if somebody's listening and and like you said, is like, oh, it's, you know, conspiracy crap. I mean, you can still find them on YouTube. Um, The video compilations of even like everywhere from local media to you know the national media saying the exact same things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the T from a script. Yep. I mean, you can, you can find that multiple about multiple different topics. You can find them still on YouTube. Yep. So that they're getting the the marching orders and the you know the scripts from somewhere. Yes, they are. So I guess, yeah, we're not saying, you know, it's like this government conspiracy or it's from the CIA. However, as you said, Gabe, if they're on record of having doing that, they're on record of wanting to do that. They employed and admired the people that did that. We're not saying they're doing that, but, yeah, you know, strong possibility. It's, this this was brought to my attention. This was what Rush Limbaugh was famous for, practically, is he'd put together these montages of different media people saying the exact phrases. Yeah. You'd just put them, mash them all up, and you'd hear all the major media, all of the local stuff. They're saying that, you know, they are getting a script 100%. Um. That's undeniable. Yeah, it, that's the question is where are they getting it from? And there was something um, I'm trying to look it up right now, but it's this, uh, I think, international organization. Uh, I think it was started in the UK. Um, something about media integrity. <laughs> um, and they, I believe that organization, it's like defense of media integrity or something like that. And they put, they publish these talking points. And I believe a lot of these journalists go there um, to, to get their, their take on, you know, what the news should be. Um, I know with local stuff too, I've heard that the, the parent companies that own all these local channels, they also will put out these talking points. And that kind of makes sense from just a quality control um, you just you don't want you know your different local 
news people having different takes, I guess, on the same issue. What did you but say? Still, Sorry to interrupt, but what did you say that the organization was? The international one? It's Defense of Media Integrity or Center for Media Integrity. It's something. It has like a three-letter uh, acronym, but it's like DEI or something. I, I don't remember. I was, that's why that's where I was struggling to look it up. I'm pretty sure it has integrity in it, though. Found a British Center for Media Integrity. That sounds right. Yep, I know it's British. doing some live research here yeah no big deal so that's that's where they're and they i um there was some lady who was the president of that organization and she was on record during covid about stamping down or tamping out uh misinformation disinformation about covid and how they needed to really crack down and get their mis- message straight and all that good stuff. Right. The mm. fact checkers. You know, that was never really a thing. I think that's that's the new government tactic. They would love to have this. Um, if I had to guess, you would have a government uh, organization, a new one set up where they would be fact checkers and then all the information on the internet would have to basically go through that government organization to sign off on what's true and what's not true. I really think that's going to be their, their new solution for quote unquote misinformation online, because I've heard so many people in the government and big media uh, companies talking about this, how it's almost impossible now to get the truth online. And, you know, it's propagandas everywhere. And, you know, they're just really upset that they don't control the narrative anymore. Um, Because there's so many independent sources out there. They would just love to get their hands on that. Yeah. But let's not give them any ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's, what are some other operations? I got a few Our, pulled up. What do you got okay, pulled go up? Okay, go for it. I've got Project Gateway and the Stargate Project. Um, what do you got? I got uh, Operation Midnight Climax. I got Paperclip, Northwoods, MK Ultra, and Artichoke. Well, MK Ultra goes along with the Midnight Climax, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it kind of does. So what what is Operation um, MK Ultra? Um, I guess long story short, uh, before I get into Wikipedia of it, um, it was basically how they they were studying like brainwashing and psychological torture, mm. and wanting to see how they could like they started experimenting with drugs on people, like how they could basically take over someone's mind and get them to do whatever they wanted them to do. Right. Um, 
so I pulled up Project Artichoke because that was like the precursor to MK Ultra. So I'll probably start with that one and then get into MK Ultra and then I guess okay. jump into Climax if that's cool. Yeah. Um so this is just out of the, off the Wikipedia. Um it was basically they were uh, researching different uh, methods for interrogation and it officially arose in 1951. Uh, the primary goal is to determine whether a person could be involuntarily made to perform an act of attempted assassination. All right. Uh, the project also, st- so I want to do that sentence again. And, like, let's think about this. Like, keep that in our mind as we continue. All right. All right. So the primary goal of Project Artichoke was to determine whether a person could be involuntarily made to perform an act of attempted assassination. Mm-hmm. Highlight that. Write it down. Keep that in mind. <laughs> So the project also studied the effects of hypnosis, forced addiction, and subsequent withdrawal to morphine and other chemicals, including LSD, to produce amnesia and other vulnerable states and subjects. Mm -hmm. So to summarize that so far, the American government is, or in 1951, began studying whether or not they could get someone to assassinate somebody or a group of somebodies, right? Yeah. Involuntarily, while subsequently also studying whether or not they could essentially wipe their brain of it through drug addiction and withdrawal and even Mm -hmm. uh, hypnosis. Right? So let's keep that in mind. Um, Let's see here. Of course, the military was involved and the FBI. Oh, yeah. Um, In addition, the scope of the project was outlined in a memo dated January of 1952 that asked, can we get control of an individual to the point where he will do our bidding against his will and even against fundamental laws of nature, such as self-preservation. Um, so they, they were trying to create like ninja assassins or something, you know? Yeah, like basically like sleeper agents. Like, I mean, I don't know how many movies that they've made about this type of thing where like somebody will call up a person and say the code word and they just turn into this killing machine that they, isn't that what Jason Bourne is? Like the Bourne? Yeah, I think, yeah, that borders on it for sure. Then there's like the Manchurian Candidate, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then real life too. I mean, you're probably getting there, but they've done it in real life 100% and it's worked. (laughs) Yeah, I was was painting a picture and leading up to that. But yeah, it's, I mean, the reason why I was saying to remember all that stuff is, I mean... I'm not saying that this is what happened, but that um, 
that shooting that just happened in Maine. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not. Again, I'm not saying 100 <laughs> percent for a fact. I'm just throwing out here, like just. I read that paragraph. Now I'm going to say what happened. So this guy uh, is in the military. He's a a weapons instructor, right? Yep. I read, I haven't fully verified this. I read that he received hearing aids, like these special fitted hearing aids. Okay. After that, I don't have a time frame of how long after, he began complaining about hearing voices. He was unable to legally, you know, due to all of his various like mental states and all that, should not have been able to own a firearm and yet somehow had one and shot up a bunch of people. Well, how was he a firearms instructor if he had? I think in his, like, I, again, I haven't researched the guy, but I imagine he was out of the military at that point. You know, mm-hmm. he's probably like a veteran, if you will. Hmm. So, I mean, and we're not even in the MK Ultra part of it yet, but that's just from Operation Artichoke in the fifties. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, because if you look back, in the, I mean, tons and tons of whether it's school shooters, mass shooters, uh, people that just seem to uh, just go nuts and just shoot up a bunch of people, a lot of them claim to hear voices. Uh, There's that uh, serial killer, I think in California in like the 70s. uh, No, or was it New York? Uh, Son of Sam. I think it was New York. I don't know where it was. And it was dismissed as as he was just nuts, you know. But he was saying that he, his dog was like a demon or something and was telling him to do this. <laughs> yeah. So, again, I'm not saying, but I'm just, I'm just throwing out all these different pieces of evidence for people to look at, research, and to figure out for themselves. Yeah. If that really good marketing for uh, some sort of sweeping gun control legislation. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And it, it, it does seem it does seem odd to me that after every I mean they don't do it after every weekend in Chicago. Mm. But they do it when one of two things happens. Either a bunch of white people get shot mm. or a white person shoots a bunch of non-white people. Right. That's the only times that they seem to care and be like, oh, we need to get guns off the streets. We need to, you know? Yeah. When they can an angle. Well, yeah. When they can try to play the, the racial angle or, because the media itself is racist, they they only care about like when white people get shot. Yep, yep, yep. 
they don't want to highlight the the problems in major democrat controlled cities so the gang violence doesn't uh doesn't make no yeah but um but yeah so that's sorry so that was like so that was an overview of artichoke um which then morphed into uh mk ultra Right. So MK Ultra began officially in 1953. <laughs> this part makes me laugh, uh, and was halted in 1973. Mm. Of course, they stopped. They absolutely stopped. Yep. So they've been doing research on this for you know was that 23 years? If mm-hmm. its precursor started in 51, yeah, uh, 22 years. Sorry. Um, and they just stopped. Yeah, they found you know, a better method. <laughs> or maybe they succeeded. Yeah. Well, so they no longer had to experiment, and, and, and they've been able to do it. I, I think that's a fact. I really do. <laughs> I mean, it kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, and, and they continued doing exactly what Artichoke was doing. Um, they were attempting to manipulate subjects' mental states and brain functions, such as the covert administration of high doses. So listen to that. Covert administration of high doses of psychoactive drugs, especially LSD and other chemicals, without the subject's consent. Mm -hmm. Uh, Electroshock, hypnosis, sensory deprivation, isolation, verbal and sexual abuse, and other forms of torture. On American citizens, without on American law. citizens, um, consent. So, kind of going back to, I guess, the last episode, uh, the program engaged in I- illegal activities, including the use of U.S. and Canadian citizens as unwitting test subjects. MK Ultra's scope was broad, with activities carried out. Now, listen to this. If you listen to the last episode. Listen to this part. With activities carried out under the guise of research at more than 80 institutions, aside from the military, including colleges and universities, hospitals, prisons, and pharmaceutical companies. There we go. There's the tie-in. Exactly. So when we were talking about, uh, what was it, the Milford experiment? Yeah, Milgram and then the Stanford. Oh, Milgram, sorry. And yeah. Stanford. Yeah, I got those two mixed up. But yeah. <laughs> Um, that, I mean, that's exactly what that is. Right. We don't and that's know just from drugs though, but. Well, no, but torture. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mental torture, sleep deprivation, isolation. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Um, and then it continues. The LSD. <laughs> What's that? They do all that and they add the LSD. And they, they could have paid them an LSD, like, hey, come do this experiment and we'll, you know, that we'll give you like free drugs, you know? Is what happened with Manson. Yeah. And Kaczynski. Oh, yeah. And Kaczynski. You're right. And Jack Ruby. <laughs> yeah. Um,. The CAA operated using front organizations, although some top officials at these institutions were aware 
of the CIA's involvement. Um, MKUltra got revealed to the public in the church committee. Um, let's see here. In investigative efforts were hampered by CIA Director Richard Helms' order that all MKUltra files be destroyed in 1973. Yeah, they got to protect their sources and methods. Public can't know about that. So the church committee basically, they found out all this CIA craziness and basically just told them, do a better job at hiding this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was the in public, of it, right? <laughs> in public, they were like, hey, guys, you need to stop. But then in private, they were like, all right, just do it quieter. Yeah. Oh, here's something interesting. So, oh, where would that go? Um, so yeah, so it was revealed by in 75 by the church committee of the United States Congress and Gerald Ford's United States president's commission on CIA activities within the United States. And in parentheses, it says the Rockefeller commission. Hmm. Now that's interesting because if you look throughout history, the Rockefellers come up quite a bit. They're involved with basically uh, the Department of Education, Rockefeller, the um, medical industry, Rockefeller, the, I believe, pretty much every organization, like, you know, like FDA. They know they fund the uh, NPR. Yeah. They're constantly talking about rock found. So, <laughs> again, I'm not saying, but people should look into it. Yeah. I'll say that. And that was the the private institutions, too. The, um, there was that free medical clinic in California and that's that's the CIA was working with them and that's where Manson got all of his drugs apparently yeah they were giving out LSD there but. and Kaczynski went to Harvard which is another um, uh, what was I going to say yeah like government recruitment center yeah um, and he got involved with experiments and, you know, they tested LSD and all that stuff on him as well. And then he turned into the Unabomber. <laughs> I don't know. I think he had some good ideas though. Technology I mean, taking over the world. Yeah. There were some things that he was not wrong on. I think blowing up random people was wrong. Yeah, I, I agree. But, with <laughs> but some of his other stuff, he, he was on to some things. Um, so here's a huge tie-in here. All right. So under origin of the project, during the early 40s, Nazi scientists working in the death camps of Auschwitz and Dachau 
conducted interrogation experiments on human subjects. So that was in the early 40s. The Nazis started all this stuff. Well, then what happened post-World uh, War II? Paperclip. Yep, we got Operation Paperclip, which is where uh, the United States intelligence program brought over more than 1,600 German scientists, engineers, technicians, um, and other, I don't know, subject matter experts, I guess, if you will, um, to work within the U.S. government. That was, and that was between the period of 1945 and 1959. So again, I'm not saying, but if we look at this, if the origins of MK Ultra were started in the 40s, where Nazi scientists, again, it's all just from Wikipedia. I'm not even like going to conspiracy websites or whatever. But in the early 40s, Nazi scientists working the death camps of Auschwitz and Dachau conduct interrogation experiments on human subjects. Substances such as barbiturates, morphine, oh, sorry, morphine derivatives, and hallucinogens such as mescaline were employed in experiments conducted on Jews and Russian prisoners of war, which aimed to develop a truth serum, which would, in the words of one lab assistant to Dachau scientist Kurt Plotner, eliminate the will of the person examined. Right. So early 40s, we have that. And then in 1951, so within that time frame, that paper clip's coming over, in 1951, we have Project Artichoke, mm. which, again, the primary goal of Project Artichoke was to determine whether a person could be involuntarily made to perform an act of attempted assassination. The project also studied the effects of hypnosis, forced addiction to, and sub subsequent withdrawal from morphine and other chemicals, including LSD, to produce amnesia and other vulnerable states and subjects. Right. Which then, from there, two years later, in 1953, we get MKUltra. Yeah, that's a pretty compelling case that the Nazis just came over here and kept doing their research for the CIA. Yeah. I didn't know that there was, I didn't know that paperclip involved Nazis going to work for the CIA until last episode that I had never heard that before. But, I mean, that's, that's how we have NASA. Um, Werner von Braun, the yeah. Nazi rocket expert started NASA. A lot of I, I knew about Nazis that, actually but... worked within the CIA. It was originally the OSS, and then when the Nazis came over, they called it the Central Intelligence Agency. Right. That's madness. 
seems like a, I mean, who came up with that idea? I mean, once again, I guess they were just envious of what these, you know, the technology that the, the Germans were advancing. They just had to have it. Yeah. And then they, it's just, it doesn't seem like that. I mean, unless every country was just doing it, just experimenting on uh, their own citizens. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to directly be Nazi influence, but it seems like it, it was. Yeah. That's nuts. But. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to see if there's any more. Well, I guess that can bring us into uh, Operation Climax, and that'll be kind of, I guess Operation Climax will be the climax of all the stuff I have pulled up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, where did it go? Here you go. So, again, this is all in the same time period, by the way. Mm. Um. So Operation Midnight Climax was an operation carried out by the CIA as a sub-project of MKUltra. Um, it was um, established under Sidney Gottlieb, who also oversaw MKUltra, um, and placed on the direction of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics in Boston. Mm. Uh, let's see here. All right. So what it was, was it was started in 54 and consisted of a web of CIA run safe houses in San Francisco, um, Mill Valley, California, and New York city. The safe houses were dramatically scaled back in 63. Um, let's see here. They're considered to be so secretive that few people, even in the highest government positions, knew that they existed, let alone were conducting these experiments. Um, let's see here. It was established in order to study the effects of LSD on non-consenting individuals. Prostitutes, uh, or what do they say in modern day? Uh, sex workers. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on the CAA payroll, were introduced to lure clients back to the safe houses, where they were surreptitiously plied with a wide range of substances, including LSD and monitored behind one-way glass. The prostitutes were instructed in the use of postcoital questioning to investigate whether the victims could be convinced to involuntarily reveal secrets. The victims were sometimes fed subliminal messages in attempts to induce them to involuntary actions, including criminal activities such as robbery, assault, and assassination. Good. So, and I'll, I guess I'll just quit reading there, but one of the paragraphs says ethical concerns. No, <laughs> no way. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. I feel like when you kind of read all those within the time frame like that, like in chronological order, like that that's kind of painting a pretty good picture. Well, it to me, it sounds like they wanted to train assassins. That's they were really, really prioritizing uh creating assassins who didn't remember why they did it. Yeah. Why would you need that? <laughs> Unless you're assassinating people. <laughs> well, I mean, like when this was going on, it wasn't the cold war. There was thoughts of them trying to take out. There were several attempts that failed um, of taking out Fidel Castro in Cuba who may or may not be Justin Trudeau's father. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, they, there's if you look throughout history, a lot of um, coups in foreign nations and assassinations in foreign nations, you can kind of trace back to CIA operations. Mm-hmm. But I think... Also, if you've watched the Yuri video on YouTube or maybe it's on Rumble now, I don't know, but that Yuri Brezimov, the uh, KGB defector, if you've read any anything on the attempted communist uh, takeover of America, if you studied, you know, Joe McCarthy, Senator Joe McCarthy, um, where he he had a communist blacklist uh, of people within the government, within Hollywood, within every echelon of American society. Then, and if you think about, you know, What's one thing keeping, I guess, that at bay would be the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. And what better way to get public support to abolish or weaken the Second Amendment than by, you know, if you could create a bunch of, like you said, assassins or shooters that could not know that they're being led to subliminally these thoughts, these actions, and don't remember it after they do it. Mm -hmm. They blacked out when it happened. I don't know. You know, and then you, you get them to go into, you know, bowling alley or a outdoor neighborhood party and 20 people are shot or you get them to go into a school and shoot up a bunch of people. Yeah. And then, well, now the public's upset. You've got your Patsy. They're in jail or dead. They don't remember it. They mean nothing to you. You've lost nothing, but you've gained everything. Yeah. And that, that is exactly what got Alex Jones in trouble is this idea um, 
that's so that yeah that with the whole sandy hook thing that is what he was saying happened there um so yeah and i i don't disagree i really don't i just don't you know with the way that whole thing would be set up is there's no way we're ever gonna know that's by design if it's in fact happening you know right so i mean it could you know Occam's razor, it's probably just crazy people. But it is quite suspicious that this is exactly what the CIA had been working on for decades. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not saying that that happened for sure. Just to throw that out there. But like you said, they've been working on it for decades. And this is what's happening now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's kind of a new um, phenomenon too. Pretty recent phenomenon. So that, I mean, that kind of brings up another point where you, know, you said Occam's razor it could just be a bunch of crazy people. Okay, well, going back to you know MK Ultra, Artichoke, the Nazis, whatever, um, they're experimenting on drugs. Mm-hmm. What does what's the thing that America has that almost every other Western nation does not <laughs> big pharma commercials. Yeah. Yeah. America is the most drugged up society in the world. Yeah. There's something like 60 million Adderall prescriptions out there and everybody's on SSRIs. So, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, does it have to be this giant, you know, government conspiracy where, you know, the CIA is like, you know, through, I don't know, hearing aids or drugs or whatever, getting these people? No, it doesn't. But, you know, when you get children from birth who are just being, you know, kids, but you start drugging them from a young age and you also, you know, through media, through music, movies, just show this degradation of society. You have terrible messaging in music mm-hmm. and they're feeling that. And then especially, especially as teenagers, you know, where all you want is to just belong right? You want to be accepted. You want to be part of a group of people and Mm. you're on these drugs and you're feeling alone and you're feeling lost. And like, I mean, your teen years are, are hard. You don't feel accepted. You know, you're trying to figure out who you are, all that good stuff. Especially now you get online and oh, there's somebody there who gets exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. There's somebody there who totally gets you, knows who you are as a person and it, accepts you and loves you and then as you guys become friends then they are like hey man wouldn't it be great if like you just end all these people if you just like end all this you know all these people that are being mean to you if you just you know yeah and they start putting those ideas in your head and the next thing you know a school shooting happens Mm -hmm. which again is I mean that's MK Ultra. Yeah, I guess it it kind of is exactly what it is, just maybe not centralized or controlled, but 
we're doing a mass experiment on the, the population as a whole. Yeah. Yep. I can see it. Well, the one thing, the elephant in the room is the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> we were talking about this MK Ultra and training assassins. <laughs> yeah. I had to get back to that. Um, that's not, not suspicious at all. I mean, yeah, they could have done that with uh, Oswald for sure. I mean, he did say he's well, on... Jack Ruby, the guy who assassinated him, was yeah. part of that. Well, and um, uh, Oswald can be heard on camera saying he's just a patsy. Yeah. <laughs> and why, you know... It seems kind of odd that he was assassinated before he could testify. Right. You know, like right away <laughs> by a guy who was working with the CIA and was part of MKUltra. Um, yeah. I mean, that right there, just that fact to me says so much about the whole operation there. Like why? Which, I mean, it's obvious it's obvious that you had to you had to kill him i'm glad you brought up the kennedy assassinations i did find one more tab i had open okay if you don't mind i i'm gonna throw this one out there because i'm I'm painting a big picture i'm bob ross right now all right (laughs) i'm painting a giant picture and i think this will be this will be the i don't know I'm not an artist. I don't know whatever the, the finishing touch is. <laughs> All right. So this is Operation Northwoods. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one um, was a proposed false flag operation that originated within the U.S. Department of Defense. The proposals called for CIA operatives to both stage and commit acts of terrorism against American military and civilian targets, blaming them on the Cuban government. Mm. This was in uh, 1962, if I didn't say that. They wanted to use that to justify a war against Cuba. Mm. So who was president in 1962? Ah, Kennedy. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) You got it. So... They proposed this to Kennedy. Kennedy obviously rejected it. And when did Kennedy get assassinated? Um, 63? Yes. Yeah. He was also uh, pushing back against the, uh, the military who wanted to go into Vietnam, too. So he was really putting the brakes on them and all this stuff. Yep, they wanted to go into Cuba, they wanted to go into Vietnam, and he didn't want any of it. Didn't he have a speech about uh, secret organizations and how we should be worried about them? I think so. Pretty sure he talked about that. I think you might be right. Becoming too powerful and infiltrating all levels of society. Yeah. So I don't know. That's, that's, uh, yeah. So, I mean, Operation Northwoods was 
summarize that they is a false flag operation that the government wanted to do. The guy who said no got killed by a man who said he was a patsy, had government connections, and was then later assassinated by another man who is linked to MK Ultra. Mm-hmm. And now, picture. since then, we've had lots of potentially, allegedly, false flag operations. Mm-hmm. And that, um, Northwoods was, uh, yeah, planes. Hijacking I believe planes. so. I believe so. Yeah. Hijacking planes. Interesting. I think uh, it's just, it seems a little too too convenient sometimes, doesn't it? I know. <sighs> I know. It's kind of, it's frustrating. You get a bunch it's kind of, of scary. Yeah. A little bit to think about, you know. You get a bunch of uh, Saudis who hate America and are working with the CIA and the FBI who know about them. And you just get a little uh, little uh, callback to Operation Northwoods. You just pull that out of the old file drawer. And we got to go invade seven countries in the next, whatever, five years. So we need an excuse. Here's a little connection for you. Do you know who was in charge of the uh, CIA complex in Saudi Arabia at the time? Ooh, at the time. Who would it be? George Bush is too old for that, wasn't he? Correct. He was too old. Uh, I don't know. John Brennan. <laughs> hmm. Wonderful. <sighs> <laughs> well, he got paid back. Maybe sure did. CIA director. Sure Went did. Do some very ethical things with uh, Trump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, it's too much sometimes. <laughs> there was a uh, Rolling Stone reporter who was doing an article on the CIA and John Brennan. Yeah. And I'm not saying anything happened, but before the article could be published, he ended up wrapping his car around a tree. Mm. Yeah, that happens a lot. At a high rate of speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a bold thing to do as a reporter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man.
speaking of podcasts and waste of time, get out of here. Get out of here, people. You're wasting your life. (laughs)